Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the general purpose layer one for trading, Say Network. Hosted by Bybit. Bye bye. Let's take a listen. Hello. Hello, hello. Hey, Jay, I can hear you. Awesome. How are you all doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, doing well. Nice and early today here in San Francisco. Where are you guys calling from? Yeah, I'm calling from UK. Um, mm, okay. So it's like early afternoon for you or like early evening for you? Kind of like afternoon. So 4, 4 p.m. something. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And uh, let's just wait for one more minute um, yeah, for more audience to come in. Mm. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Great. And I also saw your official account joins and uh, my colleague will set up, set say, official account as a co-host. Um, great. I think we can start now. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining today's Bybit Twitter space. Um, nice to meet you, Jay. Thank you so much for your time, for coming to Bybit today. Um, yeah, so it would be great if you can talk about, uh, like, Tell us about yourself and let us let our audience learn more about you. Of course. Well, great to meet you, everyone. Um, my name is Jay, and I'm a co-founder of Say Labs. So Say Labs is the US-based development entity that contributes open source software for the Say blockchain. Um, in terms of my background and my story, I guess I'll start early. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so in Silicon Valley. Um, I was surrounded by technology my entire life, so I got into programming pretty early. And um, I, so when I was in high school, I used to do a ton of speech and debate. And uh, that's actually where I ended up meeting my co-founder. So both of us were in competing high schools, um, and we met each other through a practice debate when we were sophomores in high school. So this was over 10 years ago now. And then afterwards, both of us just kept in touch. Um, he went off to uh, UC Berkeley, and then I went off to UCLA to study computer science. And I personally ended up getting into crypto back in 2017. Uh, my roommate at the time, he was starting a crypto company. Um, he was going through Binance Labs. And both of us ended up tinkering on a couple of projects together. Um, and afterwards, I ended up joining Robinhood. So I spent almost four years at Robinhood. Um, I saw the company 10x, and I was an engineering lead when the entire GameStop saga happened um, two years ago. So I, I don't know if you were following along with it. Um, I don't know how much the listeners remember about that. Um, but what happened during the GameStop saga was there was a set of, there was a set of like 10 to 15 stocks um, that were these meme stocks, right? Stocks like GameStop, AMC, I think BlackBerry was another one. Um, and 
these stocks were not necessarily sexy stocks, but they had been just pumping to the moon. And that was because retail in the United States was really rallying behind these stocks. And one interesting thing that was happening is that hedge funds were shorting these stocks. But because retail was able to help push the price higher and higher, um, hedge funds were being short squeezed. So it was a true Robin Hood moment where you were essentially taking from the uh, rich and distributing it to the poor and middle class. So this was kind of the backdrop for, I guess, January 2021. Um, the primary place where all of these folks were trading was on Robinhood, right? Because Robinhood is the first place that uh, most new, uh, I guess, users in the United States would open their first brokerage account. So everyone was using Robinhood. And then one day, just completely out of the blue, Robinhood, without telling anyone, just turned off buys for these um, meme stocks. So the entire world was like, yo, what the hell just happened over here? Because Robinhood was the primary place where this buy pressure was coming from. And then Robinhood just turned off buys. So first of all, customers were pissed because they could no longer buy these stocks. Um, but secondly, because there was less buy pressure, the price of the stock also ended up falling. So people were actively losing money from that. Um, so yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, that was handled exceptionally poorly uh, by Robinhood because they just there was a complete lack of transparency, right? Complete lack of communication with everyone that was um, using Robinhood at the time. And even as an insider, it wasn't any better because the leadership did not tell us anything either. So the day that that decision was made, as you can imagine, it was just incredibly chaotic because I had a bunch of people just reach out to me. So like some old friends, some old colleagues um, who were just really mad, like, yo, I'm losing money from this. What the hell is happening? I, I had nothing to be telling them, right? Uh, my team was also pretty uh, confused and in many ways upset because um, I was an engineering leader at the time, right? And I, I didn't have anything to be telling them either. I was just like, yeah, let me get back to you. Um, so after going through that experience myself, I became much more of a decentralization maxi because anything that happens on chain is inherently trustless. And rather than just one or two dudes in a room pulling the shots, making decision, anything that happens in a trustless way, in a decentralized way, um, does have much more transparency. So uh, one of the friends that had hit me up at the time when this entire meme stock uh, kind of saga was happening uh, was my co-founder, Jeff. Um, and he was just checking, checking in on me. And then a little bit after that, both of us basically had a conversation um, talking about what happened with Robinhood. And we realized that if Robinhood had been built in a decentralized way, things would have been a lot cleaner. So that was the original inspiration for us. Um, and we set out starting to build a decentralized exchange back in 2021. Um, so we're going to build a DEX, and this led to us looking into all of the infrastructure that we could use to build a DEX. Um, we realized the infrastructure was lacking, and that pushed us to start building SAY. So SAY is a general purpose layer one for trading. And yeah, that's, that's the story for how we got started. That's cool. And it would be great if you can tell our audience, like, uh, what is SAY? What you guys have been building? Um, yeah. Like, what, what is designed for? Of course. So, SAE is a general purpose layer one for trading. And internally, it's a, we have just one core thesis, which is that the fundamental use case of blockchains is the ability to exchange digital assets, right? Every successful app in crypto right now is either directly or indirectly a trading application. 
Um, for example, if you look at Uniswap, if you look at OpenSea, those are pretty clearly trading applications because you're trading either fungible or non-fungible tokens on them, right? Um, if you look at Stepin, Stepin is also a trading application. So Stepin is a game, but one of the core components of the game is their in-game marketplace where you can go and trade in-game assets, right? And that makes it a trading application by definition. And that's where a lot of the activity for Stepin comes from. Um, even MetaMask is indirectly a trading application because the primary reason that people go and install MetaMask is to then be able to um, go on chain and speculate uh, on different uh, cryptocurrencies on chain, right? So even putting aside the swapping component for MetaMask, MetaMask is also a trading application. So exchanges are the most critical application in crypto. And this is not just true for DeFi. Um, that's a common misconception that people have that trading is DeFi focused. Um, that's absolutely not true. In reality, trading is critical for DeFi, NFTs, games, and every other type of application that is currently being built in crypto. Um, there's also several tailwinds that are pushing more and more activity to start happening on chain. Um, first of all, there's a much more, uh, I guess there's much more focus on regulation um, with everything that happened with FTX and everything that is also happening, I guess, this week uh, from Binance and Coinbase as well. And the end result of any government action over here um, is going to be that um, the trading activity, the desire for people to trade isn't going to go away, right? Like the demand is not going to suddenly go straight down to zero. But the places where they can trade in, in centralized ways, those are going to become much more restricted. So there's going to be a portion of this trading activity that's happening in centralized exchanges that is going to then start happening on decentralized exchanges. And we're already starting to see more of this happening right now. Um, beyond that, just year over year, there's more organic uh, on-chain activity happening. There's a greater focus on tokenization. There's more digital assets that people want to be trading, um, which is leading to a greater need to exchange these digital assets. Clearly, exchanges are important. Um, there's more and more demand, more tailwinds to start using these exchanges on-chain. The question then becomes, how do you help these exchanges grow? Right? Um, how do you help them scale? And that's the core problem that we, let's say, help solve. How do we solve the exchange scaling problem? And the core promise that we make to teams is that you can focus on user acquisition and say, we'll focus on building the most performant infrastructure for you because say is a general purpose layer one and we're focused purely on building the infrastructure. And this core promise um, has resonated with a lot of teams at this point. There's over 150 projects that are building on Say, and um, yeah, Say is gearing up for a more public mainnet launch in the future. Thank you so much for giving the information, fundamental information about Say. And you describe Say as uh, optimized, uh, like uh, layer one for trading and exchanges uh, of digital access. So is it just for designed for trading and exchanges? Whether you have like more use case? Uh, so Say is a general purpose uh, layer one. It supports every single type of application that you would see in any other ecosystem, such as Ethereum or Solana. 
Um, with that being said, there are optimizations that have been made at the chain level that enable better performance through the consensus mechanism, through the protocol improvements such as parallelization, and also through the native matching engine that give exchanges building on say substantially better experience than building anywhere else. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, where do you see trading uh, heading towards over the next few years? Um, yeah. So in the case of trading, I would say that there's definitely going to be significant tailwinds that help uh, push trading activity to be happening on chain. And I mean, kind of taking a step back, right? Like I was at Robinhood. I saw how things are incredibly just bad when there's these centralized entities that are responsible for um, essentially every step of the financial journey, which is what the current financial system is like. So what I think is going to be happening is that there's going to start being more and more activity that's happening in a decentralized way, just because trustlessness is one of the most fundamental value propositions um, that anyone can rally behind. And I think on-chain activity is going to start permeating um, many more parts of the financial stack in the future. And I mean, that, that's what kind of stood out to us at the very start when we got started. Um, and I guess a little bit more about our journey when we initially got started. So we were trying to build an exchange, right? Um, this led to us looking into every layer one, every layer two, um, and all of the other infrastructure that we could use to build an exchange. And that's when we started seeing what we called internally as the exchange trilemma. So between decentralization, capital efficiency, and scalability, every exchange out there right now is only able to get two of the three, right? So any centralized exchange uh, does not have decentralization by definition. Um, but building things in a centralized way, you do get uh, scalability and you do get capital efficiency. Now. On the other hand, if you build something like Uniswap v2, uh, you get decentralization and you get scalability, but you don't get capital efficiency. And this lack of capital efficiency is what led to Uniswap creating Uniswap v3. And Uniswap v3 gets capital efficiency and decentralization, but it's unfortunately no longer scalable because it's much more complicated. So we don't think the solution here is to keep iterating on exchange mechanism design. Like going from Uniswap v2 to v3 to v4 isn't the solution. Um, that's what people have been trying to do for the past several years. And I mean, it has led to improvements, but it's not really the solution. Um, instead, we think the solution is to do a rewrite of the underlying infrastructure, because that's how innovation typically works. Um, there's this idea of application infrastructure cycles, which are basically that there's some new infrastructure that gets created. This leads to new applications. and then some of these applications need much more specialized infrastructure to help them grow. And we think that we saw something like that happening in the database industry. Uh, for example, you started off with Oracle, which then led to all of the Web 1 and Web 2 applications that we use. And now we're starting to have things like Databricks Warehouse, uh, which is tailor-made for AI and ML. And we think a similar thing is going to be happening with blockchains, starting off with Ethereum, this led to all the decentralized applications that we've used in the past several years. Um, and now, for the ones that have found product market fit, like exchanges, um, there's going to be much more specialized infrastructure getting created. So that's the approach that we took with Say. Um, that, that's why we decided to build Say, where we optimize every single part of the stack 
to help give exchanges the best possible experience. Great, thank you. Um, and also, we would like to know, like, uh, why did you decide to build, say, as a layer one rather than a layer two? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a great question. Um, so yeah, I mean, the way that layer twos work, especially when we initially got started with this, is there's some computation that happens off chain, uh, and then afterwards you take the transaction data that happened off chain on that rollup, you compress it, and then you write it to the base layer, whatever the data availability layer is. Um, in the case of Ethereum right now, the way that rollups work is uh, you have to write this compressed call data. Uh, this compressed data is called data to Ethereum, the L1. And this means that the bottleneck for performance is throughput, like is how much data you can actually write, which limits the amount of throughput you're able to get. And the reason for this is that every byte of data that is written to Ethereum costs 16 gas. And there's a target of 15 million gas per block, right? So if it costs 16 gas, if you do the math around it, um, if the rollup has only uh, transfers of Ether happening between different accounts, you'd be able to get around 6,000 TPS if all of the block space of the layer one is used only for rollups. Um, in reality, there's going to be other types of activity happening on the layer one as well. There'll be OpenSea, there'll be Uniswap, there'll be a ton of other things that'll be competing for block space. So the actual throughput that you've been able to see rollups get um, is a lot lower than, um, like, honestly, I think that there's websites that track it and like the max uh, throughput has been like less than 100 or 200 transactions per second. So um, Ethereum does have ideas for how to make this better. Um, they came up with the idea of dank sharding and then proto-dank sharding. Um, proto-dank sharding isn't really going to help very much, at least from the throughput side, because it allows you to add in these blobs of data every single block. Um, but the throughput ends up being closer to 6.7k TPS. So roughly a 10% improvement, which is good, but it doesn't really solve the scaling problem. Um, and dank sharding, which is a much more long-term vision, um, is extremely complex. But if it is implemented, it might lead to somewhat higher um, performance from Ethereum's side. But like overall, we don't think that building a rollup is scalable at all right now. Um, so the better solution is to just build a layer one and you're able to get much better performance, then you can focus on really solving those core problems around the exchange trilemma and help exchanges scale by building a specialized layer one rather than building a layer two. Thank you for sharing. Um, I believe that there's uh, quite a lot of trade-offs and, and considerations when you are building, say. So I, I would like to know, how do you think about design decisions and trade-offs as your team building, say? Yeah. So when we got started building a layer one, um, we obviously looked at what is there on the market right now. And we saw what other chains like Solana, Avalanche, Ethereum were doing. Also saw what um, Aptos and Sui uh, were planning to do at the time. And it became clear that there were some core issues uh, across all of these layer ones um, that were particularly negative for exchanges. So some of these issues included the time to finality, um, throughput, and lack of specialization. So time to finality is how long it takes for a transaction that is added to a block to actually become part of the canonical chain, right? So for it to be finalized. 
And it's basically, I mean, from a from an exchange point of view, it's similar to um, the latency for a trade to be finalized from like the Web2 world. But basically, the lower the latency there is over here, the better the user experience ends up being. And in other chains like Ethereum, for example, um, Solana as well, uh, there's this concept of multi-slot finality. So rather than a block being added to the network and being finalized, you need to have a chain of block. And the longest chain is the one that ends up winning. And if one chain is there and then another chain becomes longer, then the first chain will get reorged and it'll no longer be part of the canonical chain. And reorgs are particularly bad for exchanges. And the reason for that is that, I mean, let's say you're a market maker and you want to open a position on Ethereum and then you want to hedge it off chain, let's say on a centralized exchange. Um, there's two ways that you could do this. The first way you can do this is by opening the position on Ethereum. And then immediately, as soon as that block is added to the network, so before it's finalized, hedging that position off chain, right? If you do that, the downside is that your Ethereum position, the block uh, that your position was in, um, could get reorged, right? And then afterwards, it, that, that trade might not get filled on the Ethereum side, or it might get filled at a different price. And then you as a market maker are taking on losses from that. So the way that you account for these losses and this additional risk um, is by offering wider spreads to users. And that just leads to a worse trading experience. <clears throat> uh, the other way that you could do things to the market maker is by waiting until the block is finalized. Um, if that takes 60 seconds, then you're just going to wait those 60 seconds and get exposed um, to that price volatility from those 60 seconds. So if during that one minute window of time, there was a like 10 bit um, change in the price, that's losses that you are taking on. And there's essentially the, the way that you would account for that is by offering wider spreads to users as well. So rather than, rather than using a multi-slot finality approach, which leads to complications like that, um, say it uses twin turbo consensus. So a couple of really big benefits from doing that. Um, the first benefit is that it has single slot finality. So for a block to be added to the blockchain, it needs to go through full consensus from the nodes in the network. And what this means is that you're able to get, um, you, you don't really have the concept of a reorg anymore. So you're able to get a block added and then it's finalized immediately. So from the perspective of a trading application and from the perspective of market makers, this is huge, right? Because suddenly you're able to offer um, much tighter spreads because there's less risk you need to take on from the just consensus mechanism design. The second thing that's really um, substantial about Twin Turbo, uh, Twin Turbo consensus is the time to finality. So we're able to get around 450 millisecond time to finality in the current public testnet. Uh, this is really, really fast because for context, most layer one blockchains right now that actually go through decentralized consensus, um, they end up having multiple second time to finality. Like even Solana, for example, that might have like 600 millisecond block times. Um, those blocks aren't finalized for maybe three plus seconds. So it ends up being a pretty meaningful difference between um, twin turbo consensus and the mechanism. Uh, the consensus mechanisms employed by other layer ones. Uh, the second thing this is on is parallelization. So we saw that the processing from other chains, especially chains like 
EVM chains that are single threaded um, was not uh, performant enough. Because when you're doing things in a single threaded way, when you're sequentially executing, you end up getting much worse performance. And I guess for listeners, sequential execution is, as the name implies, executing things one after the other. Um, parallel execution is where you, let's say you have 10 transactions, you can execute all 10 of them at the same time, and you're able to just uh, finish executing it maybe 10 times faster um, because you're able to use the multiple cores on your machine to handle workloads in parallel. So say added in parallelization as well, and this helped say get substantially improved throughput. Um, say is able to process around 20,000 orders per second, which is a magnitude more than what you see on most other ecosystems who get closer to one to uh, 3,000 orders that can be processed every second. Um, and the last thing that say has is a native matching engine. And the really cool thing about this is because we've added in specializations at the chain level, we're able to batch together trades, which then help us prevent front running. So front running is illegal in traditional financial markets. And front running is a practice where someone with privileged information sees trades that are coming in, and then they sell assets to whoever is buying at a worse price, or they buy assets um, at a lower price. So if you're doing sequential execution and everything is transparent, then preventing front running entirely is difficult. But in Say's case, because everything is batched together, every trade in a block, so every market order gets filled at the same price um, within each market. And that makes it so that you can't atomically uh, see someone's trade coming in and then buy that asset up before them, sell it to them at a higher price, and profit off of that. So this native matching engine uh, helps prevent negative MEV like front running. And yeah, it just helps improve the user experience for market makers as well through this concept of order bundling, where a market maker, if they're trying to submit 50 separate trades, um, probably at 50 separate markets within one block, they don't need to submit 50 separate transactions. Instead, they could just submit one transaction, pay the gas fees for one transaction, and then have the chain automatically parse all these different trades um, and route them to the correct markets. So yeah, um, those are a lot of the optimizations that we ended up making around Say. Thank you so much. That's very insightful. And you talk about lots about the trading infrastructures and and besides Define, are there any other types of apps on say ecosystem? Yes. So a common misconception is that Say is focused exclusively on DeFi. Like, I mean, honestly, even in the past couple of months, I've heard this dozens of times, and that is absolutely wrong. Um, Say is a general purpose layer one because its core focus is on trading. And trading is the most fundamental and the most general purpose use case uh, that exists in crypto right now. So Say is not focused exclusively on DeFi. Say is a general purpose chain. Um, and with that being said, we're seeing a lot of different types of applications building on Say. Um, at this point, there are over 150 projects, and some of the more interesting ones to highlight would be from more of a gaming and social side. Um, so from, game, uh, from the gaming side, uh, one of the projects that's really interesting is Fable. So Fable is an on-chain esports league. So it lets people create different teams and then compete against each other um, and win rewards, which, I mean, I, I think that's really, really interesting and has really, really strong network effects that could come into play if it's able to take off. Um, another really 
uh, cool project is Tatami, which is building an on-chain game publisher. Um, and then for more of the social side, one of the projects that's really interesting is Senate DAO, um, which is building political tokens. So there's a lot of pretty wacky experiments that are happening on say right now. There's all the traditional applications that you would see, um, like uh, different types of exchanges, um, different types of core, like DeFi primitives getting built. Um, but there's also a lot of very different types of applications. And Say's lower time to finality means a really snappy user experience compared to other chains, right? Like a 450 millisecond time to finality means you're essentially having a Web 2-like experience. And that leads to a very different type of founder that becomes interested in building on Say because they understand the benefits of this user experience and how that results in greater engagement and greater retention from users. Like there's been a ton of studies that have happened in Web 2 around how once you pass like the one second mark, people just tend to zone out, right? So if you go to Twitter, you try to like open your, I guess you just wait for the um, homepage to load. If it takes too long, then you're just going to go to a different website. So people's attention spans are super short. And that's why like having a lower time to finality just greatly improves the user experience across every single type of project um, that you'd want to be building on chain. Very exciting. Yeah, it seems that quite a lot of different types of project will come to say to build. And also previously I heard like like a like um uh sushi swap, they already kind of will come into say. And is there any other apps that you're excited is excited for coming to say? I would say sushi is the biggest um announced one. So, I mean, for listeners, Sushi is one of the biggest exchanges in the Ethereum ecosystem. And this is going to be their first foray out of the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, they're going to be launching a perpetual exchange on Say, which is huge, right? Because there's not that many examples of Ethereum projects that have explored outside of the Ethereum ecosystem. So I think it's going to be huge. Um, and they're interested in not just building um, perps, but rather building an entire suite of products. So I think that there's a lot of interesting ways for the SAE ecosystem and Sushi to collaborate moving forward. Um, another one of the larger projects that has um, launched in Testnet recently is Astroport. So Astroport was one of the biggest exchanges in the Cosmos ecosystem, and it's now launching um, on Say as well. Uh, in terms of other kind of publicly announced things, uh, I guess there's nothing really that I can share right now, um, but just Stay on the lookout, follow the say Twitter uh, handle, and there'll be many more announcements coming in the future. That's cool. Look forward to it. And we would like to know, uh, what's the vision for say? What's your next step this year or in the future? Yeah, so the value proposition for say is simple. Um, a trading application that is built on say will offer a better user experience than on any other type of infrastructure. That is the core value proposition that has stood out to all the teams building on Say. And I would say that it has been resonating with a lot of teams so far. So the reason that this is super significant is because the experience of building on chain right now is extremely clunky, both from a builder perspective and from an end user perspective, right? Like building a decentralized application is much more difficult than building a Web2 application. And the user experience right now, um, from the onboarding perspective and from the actual usage perspective around things like 
um, congestion and slowness around the chain and around needing to like uh, custody your own funds, for example. Um, those are all very difficult experiences. So what we imagine is that if say is successful, um, the trade-off between decentralized applications and Web2 applications will no longer exist. Like if say does its job at executing well, then the difference between a decentralized app on say will be either identical to that of the, of the experience of building that as a Web2 application or as close to that um, as possible. So longer term, that's what say is really aiming towards to help decentralize exchanges, to help any other type of application just have much better experience um, than building on any other ecosystem. Now, what this will end up meaning is that say will end up becoming the primary place where digital assets and trading activity will happen. Because if say it does lead to better user experiences, then it's kind of a no brainer to be building uh, your trading applications and your other type of applications on say. Um, so long-term, we think that say will be the primary place where a majority of trading activity in crypto ends up happening um, if say does a good job of executing. Thank you so much for sharing. And I believe that like uh, for most audience here, uh, definitely, uh, I think quite a lot of us will be very interested in how to get involved with Say and keep up. So it would be great if you can share some advice and how we of can course. get Say, yeah. Yeah, so from Say's standpoint right now, the biggest focus point is developers. Um, the way that Say becomes successful is by having really good developers um, learn about Say, start playing around with Say, and then eventually building applications that'll become the killer applications for Say, right? Um, so around that, uh, one of the things that Say recently started offering is an entrepreneur in residence program. So this is a program, um, we'll say labs will cover your salary for some period of time and be an operating uh, partner for founders as they get their Web3 apps kind of ideated, built out, and then help them go to market with it as well. And I mean, for founders, uh, this is kind of a no-brainer because say currently has a $120 million ecosystem and liquidity fund. So this is money that has been set aside by investors and market makers to help um, both invest in and provide liquidity to projects that are building on say. So the entrepreneur investors program would be a really good way to get kickstarted um, in building on say. Uh, say also is going to be offering um, its first hackathon in a few weeks. And this is going to be an AI focused hackathon. So it'll be a fun way to explore the design space between AI and crypto and see what kind of either hybrid or fully on-chain applications can be built um, that help solve some really uh, that help solve some real user problems um, by using AI. And besides that, I mean, in terms of getting involved with Say, you can follow the core Twitter handle. I believe Say, yeah, Say is a co-host for this event. So you can just click on the Say Twitter handle and then follow it. And there'll be a ton of announcements happening. Um, in the next several months. And I guess last thing that I would say is say it does have a public testnet going on right now. So if you're interested in seeing what the actual product is, how things work, um, you can go ahead and play around on the incentivized testnet. And it'd be a good way to just get your hands dirty, would say. Thank you. I believe many audience may join and join on testnets and explore the products and the upcoming products on say. And also, we are really looking forward to the 
uh, up the, the coming updates of C. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for sharing all these insights to our audience today. And really appreciate your time, Jay. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And is there going to be an AMA component over here? Or are we going to talk off right now? Um, I think that, yeah, because we had kind of go through uh, the key questions, I think, yeah, this will be end of the Twitter space. So, okay. yeah. So thank you everyone for joining Bobby Twitter space today. So hope you guys have a great day and yeah, take care. Awesome. Thank you for having me on everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the ether. That was say network, the general purpose layer one for trading hosted by Bybit recorded on Thursday, June 8th, 2023 for Terraspaces.org. I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. There's this principle in like Taoism. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism, where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds laugh, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3, that's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up the bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny community uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose. Sticking with my armory, yam, beta, and bruise. Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Really? Worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. We started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, this shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, huh? Less knee jerk, more evolution, less shit corn Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat, now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.